0: So let me go ahead and read Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and then we'll pause for a moment of prayer as we open our hearts and our minds to God's word today. It says there in verse 21, chapter 7, Matthew, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for this uh, beautiful fall morning. Uh, We thank you that we have the freedom to gather together to worship you. Lord, I thank you for each one that has joined us this morning, uh, whether here in the church building or if uh, are listening online. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth with power today, that your spirit would use this challenge in verses 21 to 23 uh, to help each and every one know without a shadow of a doubt that they belong to you through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. I'd like to begin this morning by uh, reading an article that was published back in October uh, of last year. Actually, October 17th, 2019, titled, In the U.S., Decline of Christianity Continues at a Rapid Pace. Let me read what it says here in, in this article. It says, in Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, which is down 12% over the past decade. Meanwhile, the religiosity unaffiliated share of the population, consisting of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, uh, now stands at 26%, up from 17% in 2009. The article goes on to say, uh, as they polled people, uh, aside from weddings and funerals, how often do you attend religious services? More than once a week, once a week, once or twice a month, a few times a year, seldom or never. Never. In 2009, regular worship attenders, uh, which would be defined as those who attend religious services at least once or twice a month, outnumbered those who attend services only occasionally or not at all by a margin of 52% uh, to 47%. Today, those figures are reversed. More Americans now say that they attend religious services a few times a year or less. Matter of fact, 54% say that. And they and they say that uh, attend church at least monthly, forty five percent. And I share that article with you because it obviously comes from you know an outside source, uh, but also a source that uh, is trusted as uh, Pew uh, Research, uh, you know, calls and talks to these, uh, to individuals. And I think it it applies to our text this morning uh, as we're taking a look at this uh, uh, what we would consider a difficult passage as we hear uh, some of the final words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But, you know, as you, you heard those statistics, I have to ask the question, why is there a steady decline in relation to those who call themselves Christian? Uh, and maybe even go on to say, why is church attendance on the decline? Well, I think Jesus sheds some light on that. Uh, and that is going to, to guide our, our, uh, uh, our time in the Word this morning. And so as we we take a look at our our country and see that there is a decline in Christianity, there's a decline in people wanting to come to church. As a pastor, as a shepherd, part of what uh, I ask myself, what I pray over uh, is, why aren't people coming to hear the word of God? Uh, And uh, I think the answer lies in our text today. Uh, And it's going to be a hard but sobering truth for those that truly do know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, it will be a blessing because you'll realize just how much you have in Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at our text this morning because I, I want to take a look at verse 21. There's two things I want you to notice out of verse 21. And the first uh, section I've entitled Ingenuine Conversion is what is, I believe, adding to this decline in Christianity, uh, what people would actually you know, define themselves as Christian And again, even in our day and age, we have to define terms uh, because even truth is not truth anymore. There's nothing absolute about truth when everyone has a truth of their own. Uh, And I think even in relation to people that call themselves Christians uh, are truly not what we would consider a biblical Christian, a a Christ follower, uh, someone who lives for Christ. That, as we sung this morning, is, is where we are one with God. Not that we become God, but our relationship is such that uh, we have a, a, a bond with the Father through Jesus Christ that goes beyond just uh, this temporal world. Uh, it goes into eternity itself. But notice the first phrase there in verse 21. Uh, and it says there, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the first thing we have to acknowledge and notice in this text this morning is that Jesus is speaking to both true believers as well as false believers. Because he says there, not everyone who says. So that means that there's some that are going to say, Lord, Lord, that actually do belong to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Uh, And if you look at verse 22, it also goes on to say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Okay, so uh, this is not just a uh, at identifying with those that are not true believers, but actually Jesus is speaking to those that are uh, of, of both. True believers in Jesus Christ for salvation, for eternal life uh, in Jesus Christ alone, and those that have a false uh, uh, religion, a-, a false idea of what salvation looks like, maybe because of, of different reasons, because they've, they've created a God in their own likeness. A God that, you know, you say, my God is love. He's not that God of the Old Testament that seems like he's full of wrath and judgment. Uh, when we, we take a look at the scripture, the scripture does not show us uh, two different gods, one in the old and one in the new. It's the same God that does not change. The truth is, is that the Old Testament gives us a picture of just how awful man's sin is before a holy God. And the consequences of man being left to his own devices and what he is capable of doing. And so as Jesus is speaking to this crowd on the mount, uh, he's speaking to a mixed audience, those who truly believe in Jesus Christ as well as those who um, are, are false believers. The second thing you need to understand is that it is possible to say, Lord, Lord, yet not enter the kingdom of heaven. You may think, well, wait a minute. Well, doesn't Lord, Lord, and we know that repetitive nature in the scriptures, you know, draw a closer attention to it. But the question is, is what, is what does their Lord look like? Is it, again, a Lord of their own making? Uh, maybe it is just lip service, which the Scriptures speak to uh, repeatedly. Uh, but there are people that claim to be followers of God, yet are not followers of God. They appear to be godly on the outside, but inwardly they are spiritually dead. Does that sound familiar? You know, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. Again, remember our context. Uh, he's speaking to those who, on the outside, looked like they had everything together. And that's how they were able to take a look at everyone else and look down over their, their uh, in their own minds, their their righteousness uh, to others and start pointing fingers and saying that, you know what, you, you don't do this. Uh, and making themselves feel better, puffing themselves up, because that's all they have. Because they're spiritually dead inside. There's no relationship, there's no walk, there's no abiding in Christ. Uh, and so those same Pharisees, you know, in their religiosity would say to themselves that they're doing the, their very best for the Lord. But again, it's a God of their own making because they decided that they had the authority to add to God's law and to, to make it something that it was not, uh, which they don't have uh, the ability, uh, uh, the authority to do. Uh, only God is the lawgiver. See, the thing is, as we think about an, an ingenuine conversion, the, the person who is coming and saying, you know, Lord, Lord, uh, at this point, uh, is someone who, what we would say, has a saving faith that is really, truly just intellectual assent. It is something that they believe in their minds, but has done nothing to transform who they are. Uh, it is something that it's, it's good facts. They, there's a, a, the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is a fact that Jesus Christ came as the Savior. It is a fact that there is a right way and a wrong way to live. But those things don't do anything to transform who they are because there's no spiritual life in them. This is just believing the facts of the gospel and salvation. Uh, it is likened to uh, what we learned back when we studied the book of James, uh, shortly after I became pastor here. Remember in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So the, the demons know who Jesus is. So much so that they shudder because they know that Jesus is the son of God. And the demons shudder because they know that they have disobeyed and have done wrong before our holy God. And they know what their judgment will be. And so therefore that belief, uh, which is, is, is part of their being, still does not go beyond just accepting of the facts themselves. As a matter of fact, you know, Satan, uh, as he continues to, to wreak havoc, as he tempts individuals, uh, to, to cause them to, you know, give in to sin, even though Satan himself cannot make you sin, you still choose to do so, that he is still fighting a battle that he has lost. Because he does not want to believe, you know, in his whole being, the, f- the fact that Jesus Christ was victorious over death. That he is no longer dead. Instead, what he thought was a victory ended up being his defeat. And it's, this is not, too, uh, what we call easy believism. Because there are many, I'm sad to say, because of the, the focus on maybe walking an aisle or just saying a prayer that that is salvation. See, when there's no repentance, when there's no change, when there's no accepting of the fact that I am a sinner before a holy God in need of salvation and therefore have to turn my back on everything that I live for and change uh, my, my, my mind and, and, and have God change my heart, And believe in him and not just believe in the act of walking down an aisle or believing that just because I said a prayer that I belong to God. See, the, the verse goes on to say, "...not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." So Jesus wanted to make it very clear that the only one who will enter heaven is the one who does the will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that salvation is in Jesus Christ alone, that there is a narrow way, that he is the the way, the truth, and the life. And that that changes individuals from the inside out. It does not just clean up the outsides of the outside looks good, because man can do that. We are very good at making the outside look like it's all together. when it, And oftentimes people are are beaten down, broken, and, and wondering whether or not they're going to have the strength to even get beyond today. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 13 through 16. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit That if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Because there's no spiritual life there. It's more than just what we can do with our physical bodies, what we can portray on the outside. It has to do with God coming in and and breathing life into what was spiritually dead from the inside. Therefore, changing the outside. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And uh, the Spirit... Because God knew that we needed to know, without a shadow of a doubt, that we belong to God. The Spirit lets us know that we belong to him. And that's different than just an ingenuine conversion, that, that because we said a prayer, because we walked down an aisle, that we belong to God. And the thing is, is Jesus, as you notice as he's coming to the end of, of this sermon, has re- repeatedly in in different aspects, taking a look at what matters most about everything. Yes, everything pertaining to life and godliness before, but also the fact that we are eternal beings and therefore we need to answer the question that pertains to what happens after we die. That big question. So there's a possibility that there's an ingenuine conversion because they are relying in the action of doing something as opposed to actually repenting and realizing what salvation really is. Verse 21 goes on to, to say, uh, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, which brings me to my second point. Not only can those have uh, ingenuine conversions, but there's a failure to confirm God's calling and election. You know, the Bible in multiple places, and I just picked two, speaks to the importance of us looking at ourselves and examining ourselves and making sure that we belong to God because this is really what life is all about. Because if we do not belong to God, then guess what? Our destination is sure. That if we live in the flesh, then guess what? We die. And we die a death that not only is, has, is physical in nature, but we have also died spiritually. And in, unless God, who is the, 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 uh, the, the life, comes into us through his Son then we know we're on that wide path to destruction as Jesus pointed out in the previous verses. Listen to what it says in 2nd Peter uh, chapter uh, 1 verse 10. It says therefore brothers be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities you will never fall. Be all the more diligent So the thing is, don't take it for granted that you belong to God, because if you're not seeing an outward effect of God on the inside, then you need to to examine yourself and say, do I really belong to God? Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So don't just take it for granted that because you come to church, because you walked an aisle, because you said a prayer, that you genuinely belong to God. Because there are those that are deceived into thinking that they belong to God when they don't. They say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And I think one of the, the best things is we, we had the song that uh, we sung here at the, the third one. And what's the name of the song, Terry? You are my vision, uh, which you know, gave a good, a, a good testimony to that relationship between us and God. And so let me ask you a question that can be a very simple litmus test in relation to whether or not you belong to God or not. And that is the question, are you thirsty? Now, Pastor Caden and myself have been having um, a time together in the Word as we start out our work days uh, when we're in the office together, uh, Monday through Wednesday. And we've been going through a book called Thirsting After God. And the thing is, if we don't have a genuine hunger for the Word of God, if we do not have a genuine desire to gather together for fellowship, because not only do we get to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we are coming together to lift up and glorify the God who made us. To, in in our own way, say, thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. That it's more than just words coming out of our mouth, that it actually is coming from within, from our entire being. Because it's what defines us now. We are like what Jesus said back in in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they shall be, what? Satisfied. Are you satisfied with God alone? And I know that was in the song as we sung that too. So it tied in perfectly. So are you thirsty? Is there a a desire? Because we, we don't arrive spiritually. And if the thing is, if you feel like you're just kind of going through motions, then that should be a litmus test to you to say, okay, I need to step back and see where am I? Because maybe you are going through a low spot in, in your walk with the Lord. And, and the thing is, one of the best ways to, to come up out of that low spot is, guess what? Spend time with God. To thirst after him. The book that we're reading is actually based on Psalm 63. Verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Is that how you envision or see your walk with God? Can you say that he is your God? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. So, oh, it's not just an incidental bumping into God because you walked outside and it was a beautiful fall morning and there was, there was frost outside and you remembered of God's watch care. No, this is an earnest seeking. So this is you looking for God. And how do you do that? Well, you spend time in his word. You spend time in prayer. You know, the spirit will continue to, to let you know that you belong to him because you thirst for him as if you cannot live without him that your next breath cannot happen spiritually without God. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. See, the thing is, is those who genuinely belong to the Lord, those who are true believers in Jesus Christ, those who have repented of their sins and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, guess what no longer defines you? Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse nine, it says, "Do you not um, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived; neither the sexual or sexually immoral. So anyone who is." taking God's design for marriage and what marriage does in bringing two people together to make them one, if you are distorting that in some way, maybe by cohabitating or doing something that is contrary, uh, then you're being deceived into thinking that you're, you belong to the Lord. Nor idolaters. So is there something that you worship and, and place higher than God himself? Nor adulterers. So those that are married here, you know, are your eyes wandering to that which is forbidden for you instead of loving the spouse that God has given you? Nor men who practice homosexuality, which is another distortion of God's design for a man and woman to come together within the marriage bed. Nor thieves. So do you take what does not belong to you? Maybe it's, respect from somebody else, maybe it's something of value. Maybe you're taking home pins from work that you should leave at work. nor the greedy. you know are, do you have an intense or selfish desire for wealth, power or food? Nor drunkards. so does, do you drink to the point of that controlling your actions and therefore controlling you? nor uh, revilers? Uh, Are you a verbal abuser of other people, maybe at work, maybe of your spouse, maybe of family, nor swindlers? So are you cheating people out of things that rightly belong to them? These will uh, not inherit the kingdom of God. And I love verse 11 because it says, and such were some of you. See, that's who we were before Jesus Christ. And so if those things still have a hold on you, or if you're living in them and your, your conscience isn't burning within you because of living in sin and living. And, and that's what defines you. Then you need to ask the question, do I truly belong to God? And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Notice they're all past tense. You were. Because a a, a legal transaction took place because Jesus Christ paid your debt. And when you repent and you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, guess what? Your account with God. An account that you owe your life because of being dead and your trespasses and sins. For the wages of sin is death has been paid in full by Jesus Christ when you trust him. So much so that what defines you, what you live for, no longer are you a slave to. Now that does not mean that you are perfect and you do not sin. Okay? I sin still. But when I sin, guess what? The spirit that's within me lets me know that I've done wrong before a holy God. And God gives me the ability through, uh, uh, you know, the Spirit to confess my sin, and he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness so I can continue to walk with the Lord, to abide in him, to be with him. So an ingenuine conversion, a failure to confirm God's calling and election. Third is relying on mighty works. Take a look at verse 22. It says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Again, you see that repetitive nature, Lord, Lord. But is Jesus, is God, is the Holy Spirit truly their Lord? See, you notice that Jesus does not call out their claims as false. He doesn't say you didn't do those things. So it is possible that the miraculous can happen even when there's not true repentance, when they don't belong to God because they've never really truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. See, we need to understand is that God can use any means necessary to accomplish his will through his creation, whether they are true or false believers. And he can even use the evil things that are done in the name of Jesus to bring glory to himself, to reveal falsehood, to draw others to himself. In John chapter 11, verses 51 and 52 is a a good example because you have uh, Caiaphas, who is the high priest, uh, an evil man, uh, who, uh, it says in verse 51, he, speaking of Caiaphas, did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into, one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. So here's God using Caiaphas, who is not a believer in Jesus Christ, to communicate the truth of why Jesus really came. And so God can use that for his glory. But also something else that's true is that Satan can use false believers. And we read this verse, I believe, last week in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great wonders or great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so it is possible for mighty works to happen and then be coming from a wrong source and not coming from God himself, even if they're done in the name of Jesus. And finally, and and I'll be closing with this, this final point. See, there's a difference between... Knowing of Jesus and being known by Jesus. Let me say that again. There is a difference between knowing of Jesus, which the demons know of Jesus. Many people in the world know of Jesus. But are you known by Jesus? Do you belong to him? Verse 23 says, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. To know here in Greek is uh, actually a deep, intimate connection. Because something happens when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, because we are united with the God who made us. As those that are his image bearers, we have a, a deep, intimate, spiritual relationship that goes beyond this world to eternity that no man can break and that's why the, the 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 promises that all that the father has given to me I will lose none that no one can snatch them out of my hands because the transaction has taken place the payment has been made and therefore we belong to God and so this deep intimate connection of of you know knowing Jesus saying, "I never knew you because all of their talk, all of their action was coming out of a, an empty urn, an empty vessel because there was no spiritual life in them. First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 3 says, "But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Did you hear that? But if anyone loves God, and why do we love God? Because God first loved us. And so God in his grace and his mercy shows us what true love is, therefore giving us the ability to love him and therefore being known by God himself. There's, a, there's an intimate relationship there. And Jesus says here, I never, I never knew you. In the, in the Greek, that word never means not even at any time. So there was no question in Jesus' mind. There was no relationship there because what relationship does darkness have with light? I never knew you. This is not speaking about people who have, and I'll put in quotes, lost their salvation. Because if we believe everything else the scriptures and the ones I just got done quoting, we cannot lose our salvation. Because a transaction has taken place. And those who are genuine followers, genuine believers in Jesus Christ, will persevere until the end. There's no changing that because the Spirit of God has been given and is inside each and every true believer as a seal, as a a testimony of the fact that we actually belong to God, that we are His children. So that God will get what He pays for. No one can just accidentally lose their salvation. Anyone that is, is in that kind of situation never had salvation to begin with. It says, you workers of lawlessness. So their occupation is breaking the law. Well, who, whose occupation is breaking the law? Everyone who's a slave to sin. Now, that doesn't mean, again, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. Everyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is not perfect. But what, does, what characterizes our lives? Is there, is there true repentance when you find yourself facing sin and realizing that you just got done doing the very thing that displeases God, that you all of a sudden feel that sense of, of ugliness, even though you belong to, to God positionally through Jesus Christ for salvation? When I disobey God as a believer and the Spirit lets me know, I don't know about you, but I feel ugly. I feel dirty. I can't wait to, to ask God to forgive me, to take me to that place where I, I can enjoy unhindered communion with him again, to know that I can continue to thirst after him, as the psalmist said. Remember in verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So again, as we, we rightly discern, as we rightly judge uh, you know, individuals. We can see whether or not there is genuine conversion. So, if there's a true believer in Jesus Christ, then guess what? They're not going to be ashamed of their faith. They're going to be exercising all that the fruit of the spirit in their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness uh, will come together for the purpose of fellowship because they want to encourage and have uh, their spiritual gift be uplifting to everyone else in the body of Christ. Because they realize when they're not there that the body is at a disadvantage. Matthew 25:46 says, "And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life." That's the difference between knowing of Jesus and being known by Jesus. It's the difference between lawlessness and a slave to sin and obeying God. And being a slave to Jesus. I want you to think for a moment. These words echoing in your ears. Piercing your heart. Shaking your entire being. As you stand before the judge of all. At the end. And he says. As a declaration. So there's no going back on it. It is declared. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's when reality sinks in. And the challenge for you today is to see that this is still a call to repentance. Jesus is still letting them know in in these few verses to come to Jesus, to come to me, the one who can take your burden away, to make sure that you are on that narrow path and not on that broad path of destruction to make sure that you have saving faith. And the thing is, is I I think and I look at our culture today, I'm going to close with this quote because as I was going through my sermon today, uh, a quote came across my desk uh, um, from John MacArthur. And I don't know if you're familiar with everything that's going on in California right now, but John MacArthur has been in court multiple times because he's refusing to allow uh, the government, the local government, to dictate things pertaining to the church and to God. And listen to what he says here, because I think this is timely. I think this is uh, where really we as believers in Jesus Christ, those that truly know Jesus Christ, can, can embrace and can echo and realize why church is important. He says, "...the church preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died and rose again and is the only source of eternal salvation." The church doesn't exist to make sure it navigates around politicians' whims. The church exists in this world to preach the saving gospel of Christ. We're not concerned about the flu. We're concerned about eternity, eternal life, salvation. And the more dire circumstances become in the world around us, the more critical, the more uh, essential the church becomes And the more important the gospel becomes. That's what Jesus even understood and saw 2,000 years ago as he stood on that mount and preached these words to this crowd. Because nothing has changed. Mankind is still dead in his trespasses and sins and in need of a savior. And yes, there's lots of things going on in our world today. And as we take a look at the the landscape, there are things that are are even going wrong in our own country, a country that God has blessed us to live in. But that does not change the, the essence. It does not change the power of what the gospel can do. Because if you want to take a look at what's happening in our world and know what the answer is to it, it is not more government oversight It is not more of you giving up your freedoms as an American citizens. What it is, and it can always boil down to this, is the difference between a redeemed life and an unredeemed life. He will answer every question without a shadow of a doubt, no matter what it is. You pick the subject. You pick the news headline. What our world needs is Jesus Christ, because he comes in and he changes from the inside out. Not just dressing up the outside because we can keep that together. We can make it look good. We can make it sound good. And we can say what we want to say to what people uh, based on what they we know they want to hear. God doesn't do it that way. He comes in and changes us from the inside. And that's exactly what this world needs. The world needs Jesus Christ so that when they stand before God on that day, he does not say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I I understand that it's a difficult message to hear. But there is still time for us to make sure that we do belong to you, that we are not deceived, that the evil one has not blinded us, that uh, he has not uh, uh, put before us a false gospel, which is being preached from many pulpits even in our country today. And Lord, I thank you for your word, which is truth, that your gospel has not changed, that your son Jesus Christ has not changed that really mankind has not changed. And what rings true from Solomon as he said that there's nothing new under the sun is absolutely correct since the very beginning. It has been all about uh, a relationship with you, the God who made us, and our disobedience or obedience, dependent upon where we are uh, in relation to having a relationship with you or not. I pray for each one here this morning and maybe this is the first time that they've actually contemplated or even questioned maybe where they stand before you. May they not leave this place today without knowing 100% sure that they belong to you through your son Jesus Christ so that they will not be among many who will stand before you saying, Lord, Lord, did we not? And you saying, uh, your son saying, I never knew you, depart from me. Because those words are a declaration, they are final. And that means separation in a place of torment for all of eternity. And Lord, I don't want anyone here this morning, anyone listening over the internet, to be in that position. Because today is the day of salvation. Jesus Christ has not returned and therefore there is still hope, there is still time but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So let's make sure that each and every one of us knows today. Thank you for this truth today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming today, church family, and uh, trust that uh, these words this morning uh, have done exactly what God's word does, and that is change people. Uh, And as you leave this morning, if... Maybe you are not been spending time in the Word as you should. There's a devotional book on your way out that you can grab because it's never, never too late to start a new habit of getting in the Word to make sure that you belong to Jesus Christ. Um, but I'm glad each one of you joined us today. God bless you, and you're dismissed.